You're listening to Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019, and it looks like summer is officially here in Atlanta. Now, I know last week when I went outside around 530 in the morning, it was about 50 degrees. The temperature only got to about 70. This week, we're in the temperatures of the 90s and the humidity is ridiculous And going into the weekend, I think we're going to be closer to 100 degrees. So it looks like we skipped spring here in Atlanta and went straight to summer. Uh, But I guess that's why they call it Hot Atlanta. So uh, I want to cover tonight uh, the Eric Gardner uh, case, which occurred back in 2014. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, There was a police officer, Daniel uh, Pantaleo, who... um, used a banned chokehold. He's not facing criminal charges. He's facing disciplinary charges with his department from that July 17th, 2014 arrest. I can't believe that's been almost five years already. Time flies, I got to tell you. Um, And you may remember this gained national attention with the slogan, I can't breathe, because that's what uh, Eric Gardner was saying Uh, During the arrest, I can't breathe, and we'll get to that. Uh, First, I want to touch on a few things. Of course, Court TV, if you flip your channels uh, here in the next 30 minutes or so, you'll probably see me on there with Vinny Politan. We're talking uh, Kalen Winslow, the former NFL player um, who was accused of several counts of rape, uh, I believe uh, attempted kidnapping and decent exposure, all kind of charges uh, that he's facing. He could face up to life in prison. Uh, we've been covering that trial since day one. So go over to CourtTV.com. Find out where you can watch. You can live stream. Uh, watch me on Closing Arguments with Vinny Politan. That's right. Court TV is back. So switch over to that. Now, next week, I likely will not be on the air. I will actually be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I fly out next Wednesday evening. Uh I think my flight's at five o'clock. I won't be back until Friday flying there to audition for a news anchor position with the local CBS station there in Oklahoma. So uh, I'm prayerful for that. If you believe in the power of prayer, shoot one up for me. Send your positive vibes uh, my way because hopefully this will work out because, as you know, that's where my passion is to be able to tell stories and tell them uh, in a in a right and unbiased way, just reporting the facts. Because the one thing that's always consistent, as we all know, is the truth. So next week, I won't be on the air. I'll be out in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The weather out there, speaking of weather, has been crazy. Uh, they've been having a lot of storms the last few days. A lot of tornadoes have touched down. Uh, Tinker Air Force Base there in Oklahoma City actually had to move all of their military planes uh, ahead of the storms. So it's been crazy. So, A, I'm hoping I get there. More importantly, I'm hoping I get out of there uh, because Saturday is my son's high school graduation. So come hella high water, I can't miss that. So if planes are grounded, then I guess it's renting a car and driving the 
13 or whatever hours it is uh, back to Atlanta. All right. So Eric Gardner, uh, give you a recap. If you don't remember uh, back July 17, 2014, Eric Gardner was out in front of a bodega in New York City uh, selling Lucy's loose cigarettes. And uh, he was approached by Daniel uh, Pantaleo and his partner. Can't think of his name, but it'll come to me here shortly um, to uh, stop selling the cigarettes. Um, for several minutes, there was this conversation back and forth. Uh, Eric Gardner was agitated, uh, saying he was being harassed, things of that nature. Uh, at one point, uh, initially, uh, eventually, uh, I should say rather, um, Pantaleo and his partner attempted to place Eric Gardner under arrest. He resisted. Uh, there's, there's no argument there. He did resist arrest. And then you can see uh, what appears to be uh, Pantaleo putting Eric Gardner in a chokehold. Now, uh, Eric Gardner later died um, at the hospital. Um, initially, people wanted Pantaleo to be charged with murder um, for his death, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Pantaleo is on trial right now, if you will. It's really a civilian complaint review board. It's not a trial because he was not charged criminally. Uh, he was charged um, basically for violating department policy. And the department policy is that the chokehold is banned. Now, that's the very important word here, banned, not illegal. It was banned by the NYPD. Uh, I think if the phrase in the books on the NYPD was illegal, then I think we'd be having a different conversation and the trial, if you will, would have been a criminal trial. So uh, last week, the Civilian Complaint Review Board uh, convened uh, to have this hearing. Um, a lot of stuff's been going on in that. It's been going on for a week. Uh, I understand on yesterday, the defense asked for a continuance until, I want to say, June 5th, uh, so they can get... Uh, some medical examiner expert to come in and testify um, to um, the possibility that it wasn't actually a, a chokehold and it wasn't the hold, whether it's a chokehold or whatever, that caused Eric Gardner to pass away. They want to say it was his pre-existing conditions, uh, his heart, and I believe his asthma. So uh, on day one, they actually had... Um, the head of the training academy there, uh, Inspector Richard D. He testified he was looking at still images from the cell phone. Of course, this was captured on cell phone video. This is how it gained national attention. Uh, one of the images they showed during the court, uh, Gardner was face down with his right forearm and left hand on the sidewalk, and Pantaleo uh, was astride on his back with his left arm around Gardner's neck. Uh, and according to Richard D., that meets the definition of a chokehold. Um, D went on to say that, hey, recruits are told during the academy repeatedly uh, that the chokeholds are banned by the NYPD and they're instructed to disengage immediately if they put a suspect in one. Now, uh, I'm going to speak from experience here uh, for just a second. Uh, in the heat of the moment, yes. I can see someone putting someone in a chokehold. Uh, I have put someone in a chokehold and I immediately disengaged once I realized 
what I was doing. Uh, so I can definitely understand in the heat of the moment, it may happen. Uh, but, you know, your rationale has to kick in and your training has to kick in to say, I need to disengage this chokehold. So um, that's what D testified. Again, he's the uh, head instructor over at the academy. He teaches all the recruits. Now, um, Pantaleo's attorney, his defense attorney, um, Stuart London, I believe is their name, denied that, you know, Pantaleo used a chokehold, but he used what's known as a seatbelt hold while taking it Gardner down. Now, there is a such thing as a seatbelt hold. Uh, essentially, one of your arms goes underneath the armpit of the individual and your other arm goes over the opposite shoulder. Um, imagine watching UFC or something like that, MMA. I'm sure you've seen it and you essentially just claps your hands together, your hands together and it forces uh, the individual individual to the ground. Now, that's what his attorney, Pantaleo's attorney, is saying that, hey, this is what he used. He used this seatbelt hold. Um, but D, again, the uh, uh, training academy person said, hey, um, that was not taught to Pantaleo. He actually testified there's no record at the academy showing that Pantaleo was trained in that technique. Uh, which, of course, when you go to the academy and you're doing all of this training, whatever you're trained on, it's documented. And for cases just like this, if it ever comes back, hey, were you trained to take down someone like this? Were you trained to shoot like this? Were you trained to use your pepper spray? All of that stuff is documented for these exact reasons. But D actually testified and said, hey, there was no record that uh, he was trained to do it. So. You know, you got the head of the training academy saying, hey, this is what we teach our guys. We got the defense attorney saying, hey, this is not what he did. He didn't use a chokehold. He used a seatbelt technique. Uh, but there's no record of him being trained on that. And again, D testified that from what he saw based on his experience, it was indeed a chokehold. So, of course, as the trial moved on day two, uh, they called a medical examiner. Uh, there. And from what I understand, uh, Pantaleo was kind of squirmished in his seat while he was looking at autopsy photos of uh, Eric Gardner. Now, medical examiner said that a hypersensitive airway uh, and trauma inflicted during the arrest triggered his asthma and led to his death from a heart attack. The chokehold, and that's what the medical examiner calls it, the chokehold and the chest compressions, um, set into motion a lethal sequence of events. That's what the medical examiner said. Um, and she also said uh, she's been trained to identify chokeholds from forensic evidence. Now, uh, here's where the problem lies. You can call an expert witness, but that expert witness is open to cross-examination. So, of course, when cross-examination came, the defense, uh, Stuart London, said, uh, well, got the medical examiner to admit that there was no damage to Gardner's trachea, his larynx, his uh, hyad bone. Uh, I always say that word wrong. It's a bone in the neck. Uh, um, and the medical examiner did testify that, hey, that would be unusual in a strangulation case because those are typically things uh, – 
that you see in a strangulation, you know, damage to the trachea, the larynx, things of that nature. But she testified that uh, the layers of fat in Garter's neck may have prevented those injuries. So I don't know. I'm not a medical person. I, I don't know. I don't know if she's saying that because Gardner was so big, I think he was like 6'8", and he he was a huge guy. He was a huge guy. I'm not sure if she's saying since the layers of fat on his neck were so much that you wouldn't see the injuries or that since he was so fat, he wouldn't have been able to sustain those injuries. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I guess if, no matter how big you are, you can still be choked out. You can definitely be choked to death. So I think what she's saying is maybe the layers of fat on his neck would have prevented you from seeing those injuries. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not a medical person uh, at all. So couldn't tell you. Uh, but a few of the bigger moments of the trial as the trial went on, um, there was one that really uh, upset the family and people in the courtroom were, were gasping. Uh, there was a, a, a text message uh, from one of the lieutenants uh, to one of his sergeants on the day of the incident. Um, there was a sergeant there on the scene and he knew exactly what was going on. So he texts the lieutenant, Lieutenant Bannon, and says, hey, uh, Eric Gardner went into cardiac arrest. He's unconscious, maybe DOA, dead on arrival, right? So Bannon, who was in a meeting at the time, wrote, um, not a big deal. And as soon as the courtroom heard not a big deal, everyone gasped. Now, Bannon, who testified during this hearing, says that, hey, this wasn't malicious. I was just making sure the officers knew um, to be put at ease during a bad situation. So the text actually went like this. Not a big deal. We were effecting a lawful arrest. And as a police officer and somebody that understands what goes on when you're dealing with arrests and people resisting and uh, use of force that turns to, to deadly force for whatever reason, I understand the concept of what he meant. Not a big deal. We were affecting a lawful arrest because you can disagree with the arrest all you want that he was only selling cigarettes, uh, but he was under arrest, he was resisting. So I, I get where he's coming from with his text. And I get the fact that he was in a meeting and probably, you know, just wanted to respond really quick. Uh, but when, when, when I look at it, bigger picture, and especially in this day and age, even back in 2014, uh, he should have known this was going to eventually go to trial. These text messages were going to come out. Um, probably does appear insensitive to the family. Uh, I would agree with that. I'm not even going to, you know, try to, you know, swing it any other way than that. You know, if, you know, if I was a family member and I read that text or had it read during um, the, the hearing of the officer involved in my loved one's death, it probably hurt. I'd probably question it, which is what uh, Eric Gardner's mother did, Gwen Carr. Uh, you know, she questioned it. She said it was a slap in the face. Uh, that, um, you know, her son's death was considered considered no big deal. So I, I think in that regard, you know, if, if I was that lieutenant, I probably would have worded that text differently or better yet, I probably, especially 
when you're talking about um, someone who was under the custody of one of your officers is now possibly DOA dead, I probably actually would have stepped out of the meeting, picked up the phone and called my sergeant to to actually figure out what was going on. So that text wouldn't have been there. And if I did have to respond by text, you know, maybe he was in a meeting with the mayor or the chief and he couldn't get out. I probably would have just phrased it a little different and say, hey, can you provide me details um, of everything and I'll get back to you. But um, I don't know if I would have put not not a big deal in a text message, especially knowing that eventually these text messages would come out and uh, be used in court. So, you know, again, I understand where he was coming from, from a, a perspective of, okay, we were affecting a lawful arrest. And sometimes people do die when dealing with police while resisting. I can understand that. But again, uh, I can also understand Eric Gardner's mother being upset with with that text message. So uh, another thing that came out in this trial, and when I read this, I put myself in the officer's shoes, as I usually do in these cases, you know, being the fact that I've done that job. And uh, Gardner, not Gardner, sorry, uh, Pantaleo's partner actually testified during this hearing, as well as another officer. uh, And they believed that Eric Gardner was essentially playing possum uh, when he was laying on the ground and not moving. And when I, when I say I put myself in the shoe or in the perspective of those officers, I can't tell you how many times when I went to arrest someone, all of a sudden they pass out, they faint, they need an ambulance, um, you know, all of that stuff just to avoid going to jail for that moment anyway, because even if I get you medical attention and you're treated at the hospital, you're still going to jail. So I can kind of understand, um, you know, the, the, the fact that they thought he was playing possum. Um, but the problem is there were so many times in the cell phone video where you can hear Eric Gardner say, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I just look at his size and maybe, you know, again, I I hate the Monday morning quarterback and officer's decisions. But, you know, looking at someone that big, that large, uh, who was already tussling, who, let's be honest, was probably not in the best, obviously, the best shape uh, from a cardio standpoint. You know, he's tussling, his adrenaline's going up chances are he really can't breathe. Uh, So, you know, according to um, um, Justin Deomeco, who who was Pantaleo's partner, they believed he was playing possum. They attempted to stand him up. They couldn't get him up. Uh, There was another officer, too, that testified who said, yeah, I wasn't there during their initial arrest, but when I arrived on the scene, he got out of his car and he saw him on the ground. He said, hey, at uh, one point, they did try to stand him up. Uh, this was Officer William Means. Uh, and he said he never observed his eyes roll in his head. I'm not sure how close he got to Air Gardner. And I'm not sure if his eyes would have rolled um, 
in the back of his head at that point because I don't think he was pronounced dead until later. Uh, but he said he also believed it was a possibility that he was fake, faking, Eric Gardner was faking being unconscious. Um, so I can't remember the exact uh, time span before they actually called EMTs to the scene. I think there were several minutes that went by. Uh, so would Eric Gardner still be here if they would have called him faster? I don't know. Uh, you know, but what I, I can tell you from my experience, you know, anytime someone uh, said, hey, I can't breathe or they passed out or, you know, I'm feeling faint or anything of that nature when I'm about to arrest them or once I have arrested them, I should say, and they start doing that. Hey, the first thing I do, hey, send me just go ahead and roll me a, 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 a paramedic over here to the scene. Because they're complaining of this. Um, I don't wait, you know, because you never know what someone's physical health is. And again, looking at Gardner and the fact that he was so big and he was just in a tussle. Uh, of course, you know, Pantaleo and his partner didn't know at the time he had asthma and he had heart problems. They didn't know that. But, you know, at, at the same time, when you're dealing with someone like that who appears unhealthy, um, there's a good chance that they could be telling the truth. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, you know, so things are kind of heating up in that, um, that hearing again, it's not a trial. It's, it's a hearing. It's a civilian hearing. He's not facing Pantaleo is not facing, uh, any criminal charges, just, uh, violating department policy. He faces several penalties up to, uh, um, what do you call it? Termination, right? So uh, I think the uh, less serious is he could be stripped of vacation days and suspended. Of course, the most serious would be that he's terminated. Now, he's been off the streets on administrative duty since this happened. Um, June 5th, they want to fly this medical examiner, Michael Graham. I don't know who this guy is, but he lives in St. Louis. Uh, he's expected to uh, pretty much go along with the earlier finding by the NYPD supervising chief surgeon uh, who said that pre-existing medical issues and not a chokehold actually led to Eric Gardner's death. Um, so I'll be interested to hear that testimony uh, from that medical examiner in from St. Louis. I'm not sure why the city has to fly this person in there, but that's their right. You have the right to call expert witnesses uh, during these things. Now, one of the things I found kind of interesting and strange and really don't think it would have affected anything uh, with this case is the fact that uh, um, the partner in this case, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, Justin, that's the partner. So you had uh, Daniel Pantaleo who choked and me watching the video, I think it was a choke and not a seatbelt technique. That's just my opinion. You have uh, Pantaleo who choked Eric Gardner, and then you have his partner who was there with him trying to assist in the arrest, Justin Diamaco. Uh, he testified that he actually charged Eric Gardner more than he was actually, more than he should have been charged with. So he charged him with something called felony tax. I guess that's a New York thing. Remember, 
Eric Gardner was selling loose cigarettes. Now, to be a felony tax, you have to have like a thousand or more, I believe it is. They say Eric Gardner had about a hundred. So he said he actually, uh, no pun intended, trumped the charges against Eric Gardner uh, after he was deceased. So I'm having a hard time understanding why he would do that simply because I don't think charging him at that point would have made any difference. He's already deceased. The charges aren't going anywhere. So why did you actually have to trump up charges against Eric Gardner? Um, Because as far as I'm concerned, that totally discredits your that that totally crushes your your credibility as a police officer officer to say yes I trumped up charges on a guy who wasn't even here anymore uh so if there's anybody that needs to get some disciplinary action uh if he hasn't already it should definitely be this guy um because one has nothing to do with the other like you you can charge him if he's still alive a don't trump up the charge and b like if he's no longer here, why did it even matter to add a charge that was bogus? Why not just write it in the incident report? Like, hey, we approached male subject, later known to be Eric Gardner. We attempted to de-escalate the situation. At one point, he resisted arrest. Then my partner affected the arrest. I assisted and leave it at that. I don't understand why you had to drum up charges that didn't exist. I don't know. It's just me, but I mean, that's something that I'm having a hard time with because uh, A, it was pointless and and B, it was uh, it was just dead wrong. You know, um, he said, now I'm, I'm reading an article now. I'm not making this up. It's foxnews.com. Um, you know, the partner said after, after, I'll say it again. After Gardner Gardner died, he said he filled out arrest papers that included a felony tax charge that would have required prosecutors to prove he sold oh ten thousand untaxed, not a thousand. It's actually ten thousand untaxed cigarettes. So I don't understand why you're f- filling out an arrest report for somebody that can't be served the arrest warrant. Like what's what sense does that make? It, it's a mute point. Um, like to me, that's a crime. I'm just gonna put that out there. A, you fill out an arrest report on someone who's dead, and then B, you say instead of him having a hundred cigarettes, he had ten thousand cigarettes. Like, come on, to me. That's a crime in itself. If that doesn't violate NYPD policy, then we got a huge problem. If it's okay to lie on an arrest report, if it's okay to make an arrest report on a dead person and then go and testify that you did that and you trumped up the charges, falsified the arrest report, if that's not violating a policy, if this guy is not in trouble, then we got a huge problem, you know. And again, you know me, I'm 100% pro-police, but right is right, wrong is wrong, and that was just dead wrong for for that guy to do that. So, 
you know, anybody that can't understand why the family is upset, you know, um, especially when that's going on, then I don't know. I don't know. So, all right. I want to thank you so much for listening. I am out of time. Uh, again, uh, if you get a chance, switch over to uh, Court TV. Go to courttv.com to find out where you can watch in your area. Uh, that's where I'll be just about every week. Unless, of course, I get this news anchor job over in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I'm praying for. But before I go, it's, of course, as always, it's time for my 10-7 segment. Tonight, I want to officer, uh, sorry, <laughs> I want to honor police officer William uh, Buckner, Arburn Police Department, Arburn, Alabama. End of watch was this past Sunday, May 19, 2019. Police officer William Buckner was shot and killed at about 10, 10 p.m. when he and two other officers responded to a domestic disturbance in the 3300 block of Wire Road. After the officers arrived on the scene, a subject at the mobile home opened fire on them, killing Officer Buckner and wounding two other officers. The man fled the area on foot, but was arrested the next morning, approximately one mile away. The subject was charged with capital murder. Officer Buckner had served with the Auburn Police Department for 13 years. It does not say who he was survived by, but I'm sure he had family friends, loved ones who miss him, and he is survived by all of them. More importantly, he survived by his entire police department, his brothers and sisters in Blue in Auburn, Alabama. Again, Police Officer William Buckner, thank you, sir, for your service. Thank you for protecting and serving. Thank you for being willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice in your duties. I want to thank you so much for listening again. I will not be here next week, so I will see you the following week right here. Same time, same place. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenbeans Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Let's talk about Trump and President Trump and his tweets today. How about that? Okay. Um, my campaign for president was conclusively spied upon. Or on, I'm sorry. Nothing like this has ever happened in American politics. A really bad situation. Treason means long jail sentences, and this was treason. Doesn't treason mean death? Treason does not mean long jailed sentences. Treason means you're going to the gallows. Like, literally, it's one of the most ser- serious crimes in our country outside of murder, right? Would you agree? Of any, of any country. Yeah. Of any country. He keeps um, using that word. This, this is the thing that, that gets me, is just that... Um, if we really are talking treason, we know we are. Somebody's got to go. Um, and I hate being that that flippant about human life here, but we're, we're talking about 320 million human lives. We're talking about tens of millions of people who will never regain their sanity again. Think about that there, too. There are tens of millions of people in this country who will never regain their sanity again and their clarity of thought on anything that has to do with 
with uh, governance or whatever the hell. Even before Donald Trump, we know that things have been tainted through education for a long time. But the, the lies that people are going to go to their graves believing, I mean, this is a, a huge betrayal of the American people because they were they were seen as useful idiots. I mean, even it, you want to go back to uh, 2009, 2010 with Obamacare. We, we heard Jonathan Gruber saying, call it the uh, stupidity of the American voter. We couldn't even tell Democrats what Obamacare was really all about because even they wouldn't want it. This is abuse, and it's of the highest and most disgusting degree. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.